Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest, Episode 9, recorded on January 9th, 2020. For this show, we're not reviewing anything, but we'll ramble on about what we did in 2019 and where we may plan to go in 2020. We thank you all for being here. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. Uh, let's try not to think about BSD right now. <laughs> <laughs> Monthly foibles, wherein we discuss what did and didn't work for us this month. So, it's a new year. Hope yours is good. As for holiday goodies, an old friend sent me a box full of brand new Lexar NS100 256GB SSDs. My friend swears that he ordered a somewhat smaller number of them, but that's his fight with Amazon, not mine. I went whole hog replacing the internal drives in my wife's T430, my for sale T430, my Kudu 3, and all the external drives except for my 2TB spinning metal. I did not change the drives in the Galago Pro, which already have a 256MB M2, and a one terabyte spinning metal drive. As we were not really reviewing new distros this month, just for the halibut, I installed KDE Neon to get a good look at where it has come. It's really nice. I then added a dual boot with Linux Mint 19.3 Cinnamon as I hadn't looked at Cinnamon for a while. I then moved Cinnamon install over to my other machine and dumped it all to install Calculate Linux. I was surprised at how much configuration is allowed in the installation of this Gentoo-based distro from Russian developers, and how simple the language is. No jumping to the thesaurus to find out what the heck they're talking about, but in the end, you have a much more personal installation than is usually possible through Ubiquity or Calamaris installers, and yet more technical than what I found and could not fully understand in the Suzy installer. It's almost a real Gentoo experience, minus the compiling. I would now need to learn the Portage file management system, much more involved than anything I've done to date. So then I tried to fix the couple of issues by reinstalling Calculate. I felt I really had it this time, and then myself and or the installer reset my BIOS settings and messed the whole computer up. I managed to get a copy of KDE Neon installed on the machine, installed via DVD as the machine would no longer accept the usual input from USB drives, but even that did not go to a desktop. After a service called a System76, I learned how to reset my BIOS and started over. No calculate this time. I have KDE Neon and Farron OS installed, and on Sunday I got Peppermint OS 10 respin to load. I guess I have 11 distros loaded over three machines, with one overlap t- between the two. I spent a bit of time on the 31st doing HPR's New Year's Eve podcast, chatted a bit with Tony and Joe, and also met a couple of guys from the You Random podcast. Tried to check out the You Random podcast. It seems to be a bit longer than my podcasting time allows for. <laughs> As of Sunday, January 5th, Episode 7 has 499 downloads. Almost there. <laughs> episode 4 seems to be stuck at 494. So, Tony, what's been going on with you? Oh, before we get into me, you're supposed to have been having a holiday from distro hopping. That was There's the whole no idea. holiday. <laughs> this just means I don't have to stick to one distro on my kudu. I can play around more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So, uh, first off, Happy New Year to all our listeners. I hope 2020 treats you all well. Since the last show, I've been get really getting into the Matchbox car bug. 
probably spent a little too much money on buying things but as they say you can't take it with you when you go so you might as well enjoy it while you can I've sent a few of the models off uh, that I've acquired over the last few weeks to a couple of the YouTubers I follow uh, so that they can have a go at restoring them. One of the guys, uh, Martin, restores corgis and dinky models, which I'm not into, so I passed on a few of the ones that I've received in a mixed lot on Flea Bay uh, along to him. I'll be looking out for the restoration videos in the coming months. Flea Bay? Really? Yes, my. It's, it's, <laughs> well, they talk about flea markets oh, and car okay. boot sales, so I call That's it flea. That's a good bay. one. I, I should have thought of that one. I do that to everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just my way of referring to uh, without advertising that uh, particular uh, online marketplace, as we call it. Anyway. I know I reviewed Ubuntu 19.10 last month, but I've never used the Ubuntu Studio Spin, so I've installed this on my new test laptop for doing the review over the next month and sharing the results with you at the beginning of February. I've had a few issues, but uh, we'll come to that when we do the uh, the February uh, recording. Christmas has come and gone and uh, Santa brought me a, a four-bay icy dock, and I've put a link to that in the show notes. It Basically, it slots uh, into a five-and-a-half-inch bay in a tower case and allows the hot swapping of two-and-a-half-inch HDDs or SDDs, uh, SSDs into the PC. So this will save uh, on having to dismantle the PC to add or upgrade drives in it and means you can have a dedicated drive for each OS and swap them out as you wish. Sounds like the modern equivalent of the zip drive. It is actually, yeah. It is a modern equi- equivalent of the zip drive, but you're just doing it with the normal drives that will fit in a laptop or PC, tower PC. New Year's Eve was spent playing with the growing collection of Matchbox cars. Uh, also went for a pleasant walk along uh, the seafront uh, here in Blackpool in the UK uh, with friends and we went to watch the sunset and it was glorious. Had a great day, or great couple of hours anyway. Uh, and like Moss, I joined the New Year's uh, New Year HPR marathon uh, and had some really interesting chats with some of the community stalwarts. Well, of course, it's uh, all your fault I was there at all, but... yeah Uh, if you want to know uh, who I was talking to listen to the shows as they are released during the coming year on HPR Uh, but as a result of uh, one of the conversations uh, there will be a uh, a special guest on Minkcast in the coming months Uh aha and I'm not talking about this coming Saturday either yeah we do have a uh, special guest, a uh, Sunday. Yes. Uh, sorry, Sunday. <laughs> so on Saturday, I was having a conversation. This last uh, Saturday, I was having a conversation with a member of my log, Les Bounder, who you may have heard on various podcasts. And he told me he donated one of his uh, laptops, a Lenovo X61, and several Raspberry Pis that he'd uh, been uh, given for reviews and various projects and stuff because uh, he's a writer for magazines and books. Given He donated them to a friend who'd started working in Egypt in a school and was setting up a, a computing lab so he can teach computer science and computing to the children out there. And he's got 
absolutely nothing to start with. So I said to Les, I've got a couple of things kicking around, so I'd donate a few things. So I put together a little uh, pack of... uh, another X61 that I had lying around which was doing nothing and a donated laptop that strangely enough had a quad uh, not a quad core originally it would have been a a quad core AMD but they downsized it to a tri-core so it had three cores on it Uh, but the person who'd given it me had said do what you want with it and I'd said well I'll probably end up passing it on to charity at some stage so that's gone and another little Dell uh, one of my Dell E6220s has gone along stuck Raspberry and X86 on them all because uh, Les uh, suggested it's better if all the machines that the kids are going to be using are using the same operating system so because it's going to be a mixture of laptops and Raspberry Pis in the lab We've stuck the uh, x86 Raspberry and spin on it. And uh, they've been posted off. Cost me an arm and a leg to post them because it was like £18 by the time I packed it all up. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. I hope you found adequate replacements for your arms and legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're back glued on. Uh, They were a bit achy after I carried the package up to the post office. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes those fittings just don't match up right. (laughs) So, um, So, if you, the listener, have any tech just sat there not being used and with no plans to use it or pass it on to family and friends, could I suggest you might consider donating it either to a local charity set up to help those with less resources bridge the digital divide? Or consider one of the international charities that do the same in uh, the developing countries around the world, where it can actually cost for a used laptop around about six months' income for the average family out there. So, you know, just sending out one thing could actually make a big difference to uh, a family or even a community, because quite often they'll have a little uh, place in the village where people can access the internet in the village. Doesn't have to be a laptop um, either. You know, old smartphones in some areas might actually be more practical uh, as they can be charged using uh, small solar chargers where the local electricity supply is either non existent, irregular, or just not affordable for the large part of the community. So, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a good thing to do. And as I said to a friend of mine the other day, getting karma is more important than money sometimes. <laughs> and you definitely get a bit of karma if you pass things on. For sure. I've had a lot of people uh, enrich my life by passing things to me. And I could not possibly have afforded the machines I have. And it allowed me to get a little bit of money for the machines I already had. Yeah, and you give back to the community by doing this show and Minkcast and other things. So, you know, it goes around in circles as well. You know, I heard about that uh, free geek that uh, uh, Destination Linux Network is backing, and it sounds like a great project, except it's a local project. There's nothing able to do that on a national level, and there's nothing in my local area. And I, I looked at starting one, and it just looked like it would take some millionaire to come by and say, oh, here, here's a million or so to use to set this up before I could get it going. So ju- just do it one-on-one if you can, um, or find a local charity, like Tony said. 
Yeah, and there's there's ways to connect with people in the community that might need things through um, things like Facebook and FreeCycle, things like that. You you often get people posting uh, things on FreeCycle asking for donations to a local charity. So there's lots of ways to connect with people. Start up a user group or a makerspace and see who shows up that uh, really would love to be doing this, but... (laughs) Yeah, that's another way of doing it. Yeah, so lots of ways to enable people to uh, get into computing. And if you've got a Raspberry Jam and stuff like that, some of the kids who come along or some of the, you know, some of the people who come along may be from disadvantaged groups and they may uh, be grateful of a little donation. So, shall we move on? Yes, let's. Ramblin' Updates, where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed. Over our first eight episodes, I reviewed three flavors of Zorin OS 15, Open Mandriva LX4, Q4OS, Sabayon, Farron OS at a time when the Farron OS dev was working frantically to move the distro to KDE, Bodhi Linux 5, Linux Lite 4, and Solus OS 4, in addition to struggles with Manjaro and Magia and a semi-review of Perl Desktop 8, which I later did up in full, print-only, for distrowatch.com. Of these, I'm still running Perl Desktop 8, Sabayon, and Bodhi, now at 5.1, on my main machine, out of seven total installations on that machine, and have installed Zorin on my wife's computer, I also tried Endeavor, reviewed by Tony, and was only dismayed by a weird boot problem, otherwise it was a great distro from what I could tell. Eric over at DLN Extend made a comment about Zorin that I truly loved in his best Dr. McCoy voice. It's Gnome, Jim, but not as we know it. <laughs> you can say the same about Farron OS. It's extremely good, but is it really KDE? You have the Mint Program Manager and Updater, Time Shift, Nemo File Manager, as well as lots of things which are distinct to Farron OS. As I stated in my past review of Farron OS, this is all being done by one young person, started in 2015. He's talking about recruiting community help over the next year, but so far it's all just himself. He's now got a telegram group that i've gotten into and a discord group i think he's got something like twitter that i don't use but yeah it's starting to get some good stuff going on his uh, various uh media things what he doesn't want to do is a forum and i don't know why because it'd be easier to say okay we've got this problem let's go down the list in the past it was all gitlab yeah he is in quite a lot of the uh telegram channels and discord and things like that so you can contact him if you need to oh yeah and if you if you say hey, i've got this problem he'll be back to you in minutes if he's awake i mean you, you don't usually even have to wait yeah no he's a he's a great young man uh, i don't know how he does it all with uh, obviously if he's a student he's got a lot of work to do with things things uh, around his education so i'm not sure how he manages to fit it all in but he seems to <laughs> Yeah, he's somewhere about the same age as our Josh. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that he's certainly acquitting himself as well as our Josh. Mm. Our Josh. How's that for <laughs> owning something that I had nothing to do with? <laughs> Mint cash, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Josh is great. I've known Josh since he was about 10. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, shall I move on to me? Why don't we? 
So, uh, I had a quick look uh, over the previous shows and realised my reviews have been uh, over the last uh, year. Uh, I've reviewed uh, Linux Mint Debian Edition 3, as uh, Moss has just reminded me, (laughs) Fedora 30, PC Linux OS, Debian Buster, Endeavor OS... OpenSUSE, MX19, and Ubuntu GNOME. So it's quite a little mixed bag there. Quite a few of them are obviously Debian-based or um, Ubuntu-based. Yeah, we do a lot of that. For, for one thing, we are not pros, and we are looking at what we can ha- hand off to someone else that's never seen Linux before. And yeah. Debian <laughs> and Ubuntu and, and its variants... And uh, you know, upstream and downstream from there is is where where it's easiest to teach. I did manage to get Fedora, Endeavor, and uh, OpenSUSE in there, so not doing too bad. Yeah. So uh, just as an update, Endeavor has now released their net installer. It's now up and running, and from what I hear, people are uh, giving it good reviews. So. Uh, Basically, you download the uh, net installer ISO, and you've got to obviously you've got to be connected to the internet, and uh, when you do the install, but uh, this then gives you the ability to install like regular Arch that you can pick and choose your desktop environment and various uh, apps and things as you go along. I've been hearing a lot of people actually download all of the desktops and they haven't had a drop of trouble with them. And boy, that's a long way from where we've been. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I, I've got to say, I really in, uh, um, enjoyed running Endeavor. It was my first uh, kind of play around with an Arch-based distro, and it was really slick, considering they'd only had a few months to get it up and running from when uh, Antigos disappeared. Uh, they've done really well, and they're continuing to put out a great distro. Yeah, even if they did start with all the Antigos directories and and project they've taken it to a new place and it's a better place Mm. yeah no a lot of people are really impressed with them and uh, brian who's uh, one of the lead members of the community is around on quite a lot of the forums they've got a telegram channel so you can go in if you need any help and of course they've got their um, forum online as well so as well as uh, Endeavor, Fedora's uh, now released Fedora 31 um, since I had a look at it last. Uh, I'm not going to go back to that this year because uh, it's a bit too early for me, but maybe I'll take a look at Fedora 32 when that comes out towards the end of next year because usually it's around about a nine-month release cycle. Unless, of course, Moss wants to have a go. I don't see myself doing Fedora anytime soon, but I've been resisting that for at least 12 years. My best <laughs> friend that donated all his equipment to me on his death uh, was big on Fedora and kept trying to get me to use it. And it just looked like the wrong thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's different strokes, isn't it? So, uh, you know, we all we all find our comfort zone with Linux, and that's the great thing about it, because we can uh, find something that works for us and stick with it. Unless, of course, you're distro hoppers like we are. <laughs> so, uh, as we weren't doing a review this month, I decided to have a look at what the year might bring. So, obviously, coming up in uh, April, the release of uh, Ubuntu 2004, long-term release, is going to be... Uh, 
around and there will be a lot of distributions doing updates based on the long-term release cycle so uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff new stuff coming up out there that we might like to take a look at this will include the new mint 20 release sometime in the late spring early summer at some point there may also be a linux mint debian edition uh, come out but i don't know when that's going to be because um They've still not released anything based on a Buster, as far as I know yet. During uh, during the uh, last month or so, there's a, a point release of Peppermint OS. This is one of the uh, distros I've not had a go yet, so I might look at uh, giving Peppermint a try during 2020. But there's going to be lots of stuff to try out, uh, particularly with the uh, Ubuntu uh, upgrade on the long-term release. So... Uh, it's watch this space to see what we give a go. And even though Moss keeps saying no BSD, you never know what the year might bring. <laughs> oh, I think this episode was the first time I actually said no, BD, no BSD. But <laughs> it, it's, it's really got a much more difficult installer and it's a different code base and different licenses for that matter. Yeah, and there's also not quite as much software that's available for it in in the sense of, uh, you know, it's a bit more restricted. But uh, you know, if if Trident can ditch BSD for Void Linux, then yeah, you know, who knows? I I really can't see myself working in Void Linux, but I've joked about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Moss. So, uh, what do you think's going to happen f- as far as you're concerned? Well. I keep trying to talk about people's grub menus. You know, you only see the grub menu if you multi-boot. So they probably, a lot of distros don't even pay attention to it. The just plain Ubuntu grub menu like Linux Mint had just before the latest update and Farron OS still has. And a lot of other distros still have. It's just tiny and hard to read on a high-res monitor. There are ways to go into Grub Customizer and change it, but nine times out of ten, you just mess it up and and you get a lot of ASCII codes instead of the colors and and fonts that you asked for. I hear a lot of people raving about Peppermint OS. Right now, I'm being blown away by Farron. As for battery saving, boy, am I rambling. Farron and Neon are about the same on my Kudu and Peppermint is actually a bit worse Although I'm running Slimbook battery on my Farron installation on my Kudu, uh, which is a good thing to check out. Uh, gives me, oh, up to an hour more time uh, made for the Slimbook out of Spain. Back to the grub menus since I'm rambling too much. The new Linux Mint has a nice one. KDE Neon has a nice one, except if you have more than five distros, you it doesn't tell you, but you can scroll down to the other distros that you don't see on your screen. The prettiest one I've seen anywhere is Open Mandriva. And of course, I commented on that when I did the review. But most places just leave the grub menu there. And if you've got a high-res monitor or a laptop screen, you can barely even see which one to pick. Mm. And so the, yeah. what, what I frequently do is I take KDE Neon, or now I can do this with uh, Mint 19.3, and install it after I've got everything in that I want to review, and then... I've got the grub menu of the latest distro. Yeah, I must admit the grub menu in Mint and in uh, Ubuntu has improved drastically this last the last release. Uh, it's very clear on the laptops I've got what you're actually selecting if you decide to move down the menu. 
on my kudu, Farron OS runs like the perfect distro, the one you've all been waiting for, that that diamond that you actually stumble across while digging in a uh, charcoal pit or something. I don't know. It just was it ran everything. I mean, I I complained about it while it was still in while he was still working on it, it was still called Farron OS Next. And I complained about the menus and I thought they looked ugly and way too Windowsy. But now that I'm using it, it actually is perfect. So I installed it on my Galago Pro 2. I mean, if you've got the perfect distro, you want it on all your machines, right? Guess what? I've got some little video issues there. I have noticed in K-Mines and K-Mahjong, I get random blocks of video dropout. I mean, they're nice corners on all these blocks. Uh, it's obviously a block. In Mines, it seems to be parts of rows, and it sticks to that row. Uh, in Mahjong, it looks fine when you load it and then start getting different sized blocks. Some of them just little thin lines, some of them larger blocks. And they can be affected by what you uh, click on and sometimes they aren't and it's just so distracting and i haven't been able to adequately report this to farin since i can't get simple screen recorder to, recorder to run but yeah you can fix it and start over and then it happens again it seems to be more random on kmajong than it is on my on mines when we started distro hoppers digest we were afraid nobody would listen to it we were covering the nichiest of niche topics we were tickled pink when our first episode hit 100 downloads. It's now at 315. We started with just our listeners at Mintcast and a few Telegram and Discord groups knowing about it. No advertising. No big name giving us a push. We did get a bit of a push from Hacker Public Radio as they rebroadcast our first episode, and we've got over 1,900 listens to that. At this time, Archive.org says our most downloaded episode is episode 7, with 499 downloads. Come on, people. Make us really happy and tick it up one more. <laughs> episode 4, which was formerly our most listened to, is stalled at 494. So we've got two episodes, almost 500. <laughs> yeah, two episodes and, and that that is amazing considering where we started from and i i would have been happy with 50 listeners yeah well that's the idea that they keep telling everyone i talk to i say well we don't have this many and they say well but you're having fun right that's why you're doing it right <laughs> well yeah but i want to have jason evangelo's numbers you know <laughs> <laughs> you you can dream. You can dream. <laughs> uh, Michael Moore started his first ever podcast, and by his fourth episode, he was in the top 25 at, at iTunes, and by his 14th episode, he was number three in iTunes. Wow. Yeah, well, he is a bit of an international celebrity, though. Isn't yes, he? he is, and he's been getting international celebrities on there, like his fourth episode had Robert De Niro. <laughs> he's had Ralph and we've Nader. just given him a bit more advertising <laughs> yeah, so no we're not going to get Ralph Nader in the studio anytime soon no <laughs> I mean he, he did the the uh, Ralph Nader uh, interview in his congressman's office in Washington D.C. <laughs> wow <laughs> well we're not that big people but we can dream I just think 
Uh, it'd be, we have got a little bit of feedback this month, but um, it's related to a query. But it would be interesting if anyone could come back to us and give us a bit of feedback on what they're finding useful about the shows. Uh, so if you'd like to drop us a line, uh, we give all the details of how you can contact us at the end of the show. So, uh, you know, give us a shout out, tell us what you think and... Uh, you know, you maybe even get a mention on the show as well next time. And we'd love to hear your own reviews if you'd like to tell us about your favorite distro and the hardware you run it on, particularly if it's one we haven't covered yet. Yeah. What else can we blather about, Tony? <laughs> uh, I don't think we should blather on anything. I think we should move on to new releases. Let's move month. on to new releases. This is going to be a short episode, but we love you anyhow. <laughs> New releases this month from our December 4th show to present. Blue Star 5.4.8, Tails 4.2, Archman 2020-01, Trident Void Beta. I don't usually talk about betas, but this project has just moved from BSD to Linux, and they're all ready to beta. EXE 2020-0103, Beowulf. Chaos, or KOS, 2020.01. Q4OS 3.10, SmartOS 2020.0103, RoboLinux 10.7, KDE Neon 2020.0102, Arch 2020.01.01, Cubes 4.0.2, ArchBang 0101, Septor 2020, ZenWalk 15.0-191231, 20.1, Rancher OS 1.5.5, Black Arch 2020.01.01, Calculate 20, KDE Neon 2019 1226, Easy OS 2.2, Academics 2.4, Ferrin 2019.12, Parthead Magic 2019 Underline 12 Underline 24, Arco Linux 19.12.17, Alpine 3.11.2, Endeavor OS 2019.12.22, Anti X or Antix 19.1, Linux Console 2019, Suzy SLES 12 SP5, Newtix 11.3, Emabuntus D hashtag 2 1.06, Peppermint OS 10 2019 1210, Linux Mint 19.3, 4M Linux 31.0, Minimal Linux Live 15-December-2019, Zorin OS 15.1, Robo Linux 10.6, Arco Linux 19.12.15, Nomad BSD 1.3, Proxmox 6.1, Univention Corporate Server 4.4-3, Tails 4.1, Elementary OS 5.1, and Kane 11.0. Wow. Well, the Linux community didn't take a holiday. <laughs> Actually, that's a shorter list than last month, but... Is it? I, it I believe so. It seems quite long. Yeah. <laughs> I always want to talk about some of these when I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a couple that struck me as well, but, uh, you know, maybe for another time. But yeah, it, it, it's amazing uh, how much has come out over the last month, considering, uh, you know, we have had the holiday period and that. 
There's still people out there working on their distros, including Ferran. Oh, I did get a repeat in there. Tails updated twice this month. <laughs> oh, well. Well, let's get on to our feedback. Okay, feedback this month. Uh, I've been having a conversation with um, a guy called John Wallace uh, over uh, over the email. So uh, this is a continuation of uh, some, uh, you know, that conversation that we reported part of last month. So John said, "Hi Tony, thanks for your email. I've uninstalled all my uh, from my virtual machines anything that I'll." I will not be running under them. Additionally, I've purged my Linux Mint build of anything that I will not be using. And crucially, what I've found to be the main space hogging culprit, I have purged the oldest snapshots of my virtual machines. With regards to the last, I have adopted the rule of thumb of deleting a snapshot once VirtualBox refers to it by the date of creation rather than the number of days since creation. Even if... I could get a new laptop from Sansa. My wife would assume that I would have bought it myself, so I'd automatically be in trouble. <laughs> Kind regards, John. Somebody needs to send John a new laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so I replied, hi, John. Yeah, snapshotting virtual boxes are hard gone resources. If you haven't got much space available on the host HDD or SSD, has removing any software not been used in the virtual machine improved the performance of the OS within uh, the virtual machine? For me, that would be an interesting experiment. Hope you had a great Christmas and Santa at least brought you something geeky so that you can uh, that you can play with, even if you can't swing the spare laptop for distro hopping, stroke testing. <laughs> so John responded again. Hi Tony, thanks for your email. I was able to reduce the space taken by snapshots to such an extent that I was able to set up a ninth virtual machine of Sabian Linux. Yay! <laughs> that turned out to be short-lived as I found the online documentation to be confusing and incomplete in respect of setting up a firewall. The eighth virtual machine will remain a maximum. If I should reduce it uh, in future, I'll go down to two. Probably just Parrot and Solus Budgie. That may well be the case as I'm planning to install the Amarok Music Player on my Linux laptop and importing CDs. I haven't honestly noticed any improvement in performance of the virtual machines apart from reduced snapshot size. I'm currently reading Maniac Sharma's article Lighter and faster Linux in issue 257 of Linux format. And I'm working on a plan of action for both Mint and the virtual builds on my laptop and for Mint on my wife's laptop. Apologies to Mayak if I've pronounced his name wrong. I will be testing on my laptop first before working on my wife's. Given that my wife uses hers for her work as a church steward, stroke trustee, which I will not want to derail. Can I use the FSCK command to scan my hard drive without having to specify the hard drive in the command? I understand FSCK to be the Linux counterpart of CHKDSK. 
and I intend to use it as a regular maintenance tool on my Linux laptop, just as I use CHKDSK as a regular maintenance tool on my Windows 10 laptop. We always just said check disk. Ah, you see, I'm not into all, some of these uh, Linux, uh, some of these tools in the command. Windows. Aye. So <laughs> For my birthday in January, I've asked my wife to get me books on Linux command line usage and security. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on those and working through them. Kind regards, John. Moss, you may, if you've used uh, CheckDisk, maybe you know whether uh, FDisk, uh, FSDisk, or what they call it? FSCK. FSCK. I always thought that was computer porn. Uh. <laughs> Um, I don't use FSCK much. When I do, I do it because someone says, okay, run this command, and I do, and it fixes my disk. But yeah, it's it's a pretty good way of checking to see the health of your disk. Um, Although how it works, I don't know. But check check (laughs) disk was always fun to run, and it always took a lot longer than you expected it to. But... um, yeah. John, if you, I was just going to say, if you're listening to this, John, maybe drop uh, Minkcast a line and see if one of the geeks on Minkcast can help oh, you. Oh, Leo and Joe would love to go with that. Yeah, me and Moss are a little bit less geeky than those two. So. Well, we're just as geeky. We just aren't as skilled. <laughs> <laughs> as I've said many times, we are not computer professionals. We're doing this for fun. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, and it is fun. Anyway, so that's the uh, feedback we've had this month. So is there anything else we want to add before we move on to the announcements? Goodness, the show's almost over. Our first show of 2020. Aye. And it's not as short as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be some cutouts, I'm sure. <laughs> there will. <laughs> Let's move on to announcements. Announcements. We are still wishing to produce a user-only show, Distro Hopper's Digest User Edition. See, we've got the name for it. You've got to send us your reviews. If you want to review your favorite distro or something you've just tried, send it to us. We have posted the criteria to be used in your review on the blog at our website. Yeah, so if you can submit your review in .flat format, if possible, but we will accept an uh, .mp3 if that's the best you can do. Submitting a script of what you've said will also help our listeners, but is not required. Please send your submission to distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. While I am by no means to be considered a professional podcaster, I do have financial challenges in my life, and you can help my work here and at Mincast by joining my sponsors or by direct donation through sponsors or PayPal. I am very grateful for all donations which have been or will be received. Please tell me if you would like your name used on the show however you choose to donate. I would like to thank all those who have supported me over the past year, including Jackie Moore, Dale Miracle, our own Tony Hughes and George Dosher, Joe Boylan, David Lindbergh, Robert Warren, the rest of the Mintcast team, and anyone else I'm forgetting right now. I'll be starting a GoFundMe soon to try to get to self this year, Southeast Linux Fest. That would increase my tech contacts and possibilities of getting a better paying job, which will allow me to stop begging for help. This is really hard for me to do, and I seem to have to do it every show. I've gotten some good help. It's been a wonderful year, technically. 
I get all this new gear. It's wonderful. These System 76 laptops are beyond anything I ever thought I'd have. The Raspberry Pi is sitting on my desk while I haven't really done much with them yet. It's just great to take them around and show people, hey, this is a real computer. The little bits of money I've gotten have helped, like you wouldn't believe. Many times it just goes to groceries. Yeah, it's amazing. When you when you show someone a Raspberry Pi who's not into tech and has never seen one before, they go, what? Particularly if you if you show them a Pi Zero and say, that's a full computer. <laughs> yeah, right now I've got a Pi 2B Plus and a Pi 3B. I think you really just call those Pi 3s for the most part, but it is essentially a 3B. It's basically it's the uh, the uh, Pi three uh, Pi three three B because it's the different uh, format to the A's. Yeah, uh, the Raspberry Pi A's got a slightly different format and less uh, in outputs. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can go online and have a look at. Uh, the different formats of the Raspberry Pi, these loads of places that show them. Yeah, everyone should run out and buy one of these. They have sold 30 million Raspberry Pis now. 30 million. Yeah. If you if you find you don't have a use for it, find a kid to give it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the best-selling British computer ever, and it might even be one of the best-selling computers in the world that's not a PC format. Yeah, I bypassed the Acorn uh, earlier this year. <laughs> wow, thirty million! They've they've sold. They've had one billion dollars of sales. That's not profit, but still hitting that in sales. Come on now, for something that only costs thirty five dollars for a, for the base model. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, should we tell them when we're going to record again? Well, let's see if we're going to record again. Um, looks like it. <laughs> our next show will be recorded on or about February 5th, 2020. Visit our website at https colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Telegram, Mintcast Discord, and at our Telegram and MeWe Mintcast groups. We ha- also have a MeWe uh, Distro Hoppers Digest group. I've got to rewrite we this do. section. <laughs> Please contact us at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com if you have any comments or suggestions. And Happy New Year. Happy everyone. New Year, everyone. May 2020 be a better year for all of us. Yeah. Before we go, we would also like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with the Mintcast podcast team for allowing us to use their Mumble server. Archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program. Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show. Joshua Lowe for work on our logo. All those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting and maintaining the Linux distros. We have reviewed this episode. Midair Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel. Richard Stallman for the GNU Toolkit and for all those who've worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord channel and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next episode. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>